The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show.
Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, my guest this hour served as mayor of Cleveland from 1977 to 79. He was in the uh, Ohio State Senate from 95 to 97 and spent 16 years in the U.S. House of Representatives from 97 to 2013 and ran twice for the Democratic nomination for U.S. president. Um, and during one of those campaigns, he gave my favorite answer in a presidential uh, debate, and we'll talk about that with uh, my guest. He is the author of a new book called The Division of Light and Power um, that tells an old story, and we'll find out all about that with my guest, Dennis Kucinich. Dennis, welcome to the show. Tom, thanks. Uh, good to join you. appreciate uh, uh, being on with you. Thank you. Since I set it out there, we'll we'll get it out of the way up front. I have said many times that uh, you gave my favorite debate answer ever when somebody was pressing you about having been recalled as mayor of Cleveland um, as about uh, electability or something. And you came back with what I thought was such a courageous and brilliant comeback and said, I am the only one on this stage who was willing to lose his job to do what was right. Mm. Do you remember that? Wow. Yeah, I do, and I appreciate you uh, recalling that, so to speak. Um, I, I'm, um, you know, what are, we, what are we in this for? I mean, if you're in it for yourself, there's opportunities, but if you're in it for the people, you have to be willing to take the risks. Now, this book, The Division of Light and Power, focuses a lot on on things that you experienced firsthand as uh, mayor of Cleveland. And you got into a pretty nasty uh, political battle. And, and you were the youngest mayor in a, in a big city in America at that time at age 31. Um, but why tell the story now? Well, it, it, uh, as it uh, turns out, the story's uh, relevant to every city in this country and in other countries uh, where people uh, are not sure of why decisions are made and who's making the decisions. The Division of Light and Power is actually uh, a roadmap to understanding the systems of power that exist uh, in a community and also to understand 
what happens when government is not serving the interests of the people? You know, one of the things I point out at the front of the book is that government works. The question is, who's it working for? And uh, that, that question kept coming up again and again and again. And that question is as relevant today as it was years ago when I was mayor of Cleveland, as it was even 10 years before that when I first entered into politics. So, you know, I share in this book, The Division of Light and Power, uh, not just my journey, but my understanding of how the system actually works. And it's something most people have no clue about. Uh, you know, you just pay your taxes, you pay your utility bills, and you just go on. Well, when you stop and look at the system, and it's sometimes, you know, you're paying taxes that you shouldn't be paying for things that you wouldn't want to, to support if you really understood. You're paying utility bills that in more cases than not uh, might be much higher than you should otherwise be paying, uh, including if they're owned by a public, uh, by a municipality. Uh, but certainly if your utilities are owned by a private company, you're paying a premium so they can pay high salaries and dividends to their shareholders. You know, I, I raise these questions because it's, it's really important for people to have control over democratic institutions. And often, Tom, they do not. Well, you know, the, th the thing is, your, your book is being described as giving an unprecedented, fully documented insider's account of a battle against a shadow city government which engaged in corporate espionage, sabotage, price-fixing, cutthroat competition, antitrust activities, organized crime, and wholesale fraud. And there is even some talk about assassination attempts. If anyone else tried to tell this story, Dennis, they'd get fitted for a foil hat. But you yeah, were except that, but you uh, were except there. That I have except that I have hundreds and hundreds of document of uh, you know of of documents that prove the case. You know, if you look at the end notes uh, to the book, you'll see that uh, this isn't anything I made up. This comes a lot of it comes from. Uh, uh, discovery and court documents, and it comes from uh, uh, news accounts uh, that you know were published or or, or broadcast. Uh, you know everything in this is is provable, and so yeah, you're right. I mean, at the time that I was mayor, people were telling me well, these things weren't even happening when when a theft was occurring. It's like somebody stealing your car and you're looking at it at them steal it, and they look at you and they say, I'm not stealing this car, and then they drive away. <laughs> well, did they steal it or not? They told you they didn't, right? But your car's gone. What do you believe? Do you believe what they told you, or do you believe your eyes? And so what I did as mayor was to believe my eyes and not what I was being told. And my eyes saw corporate espionage, sabotage, a conspiracy against the interests of the city. Uh, uh, corporations that were trying to steal the city's municipal electric system, and you know, and and I, I and I paid a, a certain price, uh, but in the end, we we were able to save the uh, division of light and power, which you know is the uh, the title name of the book, and it was also the name of the municipal utility, the division of light and power, and the battle over that was really a, a premonition. You know, it's in a way, it's a premonition of what. Uh, can be expected in, in America in the post-COVID era as cities run out of their uh, the federal funds they're, they're getting and uh, 
suddenly people, you know, outside interests have these bright ideas about, well, why don't you sell your water system? You'll, you'll be able to pay, you know, your, your workers. Why don't you sell your electric system? Why don't you sell your waste collection services or whatever? I mean, privatization is in the offing again, and this book is a, is a uh, it, you know, admonishes people about the dangers of privatization and, and how to fight back. How did how did the issue first come up for you as uh, uh, mayor of Cleveland? Um, was it did it seem like a fairly simple request? Um, a, a bank saying, you know, hey, we've got a, a customer of ours that would like to buy the city's utilities. Um, was it <laughs> well, was it, it, it that nonchalant? That, no, 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 not at all. I mean, yeah, it's about as about as about nonchalant as somebody putting a gun to your head. So let's back up a minute. The book sure. opens with my entry onto the scene of this of, <laughs> of the Division of Light and Power. I'm with my wife. We're in downtown Cleveland. We're shopping. It's a few days before Christmas, and suddenly all the lights go off. It's like, what the heck is this about? You know, it's just a few days before Christmas. All the Christmas lights go off, so... I call. I, I had just been elected to council. I hadn't taken office yet. I call the uh, person at uh, Muni Light and say, "Hey, what's going on?" He tells me there's a boiler down, and you know, lights are off all over the city. And that that opening of the book is the first of many blackouts that occur throughout the book. And spoiler alert! And this is one of many shocks that people will have when they read the book they will see that this private utility, which had been conspiring to take over the publicly owned utility, was doing everything it could to block uh, approval of repairs so that the municipal utility would be able to function uh, at top performance. And more than that, uh, they blocked the city from being able to purchase power from outside, the only place... Uh, if there was a, Cleveland was isolated, your electric system was isolated, and what happened was when the city needed power, they had to get it from the private utility if there was a, a power failure. And what we found out is that through the federal investigation is that this private utility was creating blackouts on the municipal system to, to, to pave the way for the purchase of that system, for taking it over. And we're talking about the dirtiest kind of dirty pool because the whole city suffers. And they didn't, give, they didn't care about that. You know, they were in it, they just wanted the monopoly. And they needed the monopoly to pay off their rising bills for nuclear power plants that didn't work. I mean, this story, there's never been a story like this in American politics. And some, some people are recognizing that. I mean, it's being called an epic tale of American corruption. It's being compared to Chinatown and uh, to the godfather and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I mean, the comparisons that this book is, is bringing forth, it really shows, the, uh, as people have read it, the, uh, uh, the response that's coming is like, whoa, this, this actually happened. This isn't fiction. More with Dennis Kucinich, straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. 
you can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at tomsumnerprogram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers, and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More with Dennis Kucinich straight ahead. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy about the, uh, about the blackouts. 
if the division of light and power was still owned by the city, how were these outside interests able to impact these uh, these little warning shots? And and that's a and that's a good question because what they did, the city uh, would would need a power. Okay, you know, for whatever reason, it would need power, and and it and it was, the city was isolated. Every other utility in the country was connected to the national grid. Cleveland had to go through CEI to get to the national grid, and whenever they needed power, the and the federal investigators determined that power transfers were operated in such a way as to deliberately cause a blackout on the muni system. And then, I mean, this is like almost a verbatim quote from, from a federal investigation. And then uh, when the city, so the city would then plug into the uh, uh, CEI system for, a, for getting some temporary power, CEI create the blackout, and then when they had to plug back into the muni system, when they were stabilized, CI would put another blackout. This is like the dirtiest pool you could imagine. And, and it was all documented by the federal government. And, and yet, even though that happened, Tom, the city, knowing the dirty tricks that were being played, the city determined they were going to sell the system. I mean, you know, if you could, if you could imagine that someone tries to burn down your business and then you just you say, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll sell you my business. You know, uh, just don't burn it down. You know, it's like a mob kind of practice. And they were operating under those principles. You know, you're talking about people who, in a just world, every one of those officials would have gone to jail. Every one of them. But instead, they became our leading citizens. And, and did, the, did the sale take place? Oh, yeah, it was negotiated in the mid-'70s, and I stepped in uh, with a petition drive to uh, uh, create a referendum. In the meantime, I ended up running for mayor. I get elected mayor. I canceled the sale, but that's when the, that's when the real story starts because that's when uh, a, a light bill that had been um, – that where the city was purchasing – remember, the – the, the private utility stopped the city from repairing its own generators. The city had to purchase power from the private utility. The private utility caused the city to pay three times what they were charging anyone else for power. So they were running up a deficit, okay? And what happened was that uh, they used that to say, well, you know, uh, you're not, uh, you're, uh, you can't operate at a profit, uh, even though the city would, you know, was making a profit. So you're going to have to sell. So what happened was, by the time I got to be mayor, there was this $18 million electric bill inherited from the previous mayor who wanted to sell the light system to pay the light bill. The light system was worth over a quarter billion dollars, and he wanted to sell it at a, at a cut rate, uh, the argument being, well, we've got to pay this light bill. I mean, would, would anyone out there listening sell <laughs> their house to pay a light bill? It's absurd, but Cleveland was ready to do that, and I challenged it. I well, became you, mayor, and then what happened is the, the utility then began to put pressure on me, and their banking partners uh, began the pressure as well. Using your car analogy, that's like selling your car to buy a tank of gas. Exactly right. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a great analogy also. I mean, this was the kind of illogical uh, world that I ventured into 
And when I uh, when I said, "Hey, you know, this is wrong," people would say, "Well, what do you know?" <laughs> you know, again, it's a theft was occurring. I blew the whistle, and people were saying, "Well, who's this guy making all the noise with the whistle?" <laughs> <laughs> who who gave that kid a whistle? Um, yeah, exactly. Oh, that and and let's take the whistle away. What about assassination attempts? That seems. I mean, I understand political and financial pressure and, you know, some of these these other kind of uh, uh, cutthroat activities, but assassination? Well, let let me just tell you that um, I never talked about that when I was mayor because, you know, it's like I'm and and I didn't think about it. Because you just have to do your job, and you know everyone has hazards, and mine happened to be uh, a little extreme, but I just forged forward and did my job. But what happened is there was an attempt where a high-powered rifle bullet missed my head by a fraction, just luck. I'd got up from a chair, and just uh, the minute I got up, uh, uh, you know, it's like simultaneous with a trigger being pulled. I just I, I was really lucky I wasn't shot, and uh, the. Uh, um, U.S. Uh, Senate Subcommittee on Organized Crime did an investigation and uh, um, and basically um, uh, affirmed or proved that there was this plot out there uh, that um, uh, police intelligence in Cleveland uh, tied directly to the light system because there was a lot of money at, at stake. And NBC in Cleveland uh, was somehow able to uh, get a an interview with a shadowy uh, uh, figure that they created uh, electronically, an, uh, uh, an organ uh, a hitman who had been convicted, and they they interviewed him, and he said that he was going to take the job to uh, uh, you know I don't want to take the job he bid on and, killing and you. Yeah, well, but, but he said, <laughs> I mean, and that's the, just... the, the investigative reporter asked him why. He says, because we can't buy Kucinich. Those were his words. Wow. You know, we can't buy Kucinich, so we have to work different ways with him. And this is all in the book. And, and again, I didn't, you know, I didn't talk about it because there were people at the time who would say, well, he's just making himself. No, I didn't say anything about it. But when you read it in the context of the whole story, you see what was at stake. I mean, there was ne- there's never been anything... You know, that silver surfaced a story about, you know, the seamy side of politics and what's really underneath the corruption that goes on in the cities that people aren't even aware of. And I was lucky to get out of there alive, truth be told. And that, that then asks the question, or begs the question, why would you then go back to it in the, in the state? Senate and then later in the U.S. House. Why, why would you continue in politics knowing well, I'm not how ugly let, it could be? You know, I'm not going to be bullied into changing my choices because somebody's threatening me. You know, the minute you start to succumb to threats, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life, you're done. Okay? And, you know, just to share this, and this isn't said in any, um, um, you know, bragging way, but I can't be intimidated. You know, no one can tell me what I have to do if I think it's wrong. Not going to happen. I don't care. You say what you're going to do anything. I'm not afraid of that. 
And I think I think that part of the lesson of the book is that if you really believe in something, take a stand. Don't back down. You know, you take chances. Yeah, you take chances. Uh, did I take chances? Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, am I that much different than anybody else? No. But, uh, you know, we're all made differently. And maybe because I was a third-string varsity quarterback uh, as a freshman at St. John Cantus, four foot nine, ninety-eight pounds. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you know, I had some outsized uh, uh, concepts of physical courage. Uh, but I can tell you that, uh, you know, just if something's right, I can go for it. No one needs to encourage me. But if it's wrong, it doesn't matter what anyone says they're going to do to me. I don't care, you know. And I'm, and I, you know, that's what the book's about. You know, I'm not saying, you know, some people look at that and they say, well, this guy is, you know, off the deep end and, and others may have another view. But. Look, I, you know, I wasn't looking for anything from public life other than to serve. But this was real-life political drama being played out over 40 years ago, and, and, it, and it speaks to the, the, the highest level of uh, political and, and social corruption in the, in the city of Cleveland. And you're telling the story now. The question, and there are so many questions, Dennis, but, but let's start with, has it gotten better or worse? It's the same everywhere. That's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at, Dennis. It's, you know, yeah, here we just, are 40 years just, later. Just, you know, well, this is, you know, time's an illusion when you're talking about people and power. It, it just, you know, that's... That's the culture that we live in. Was it always that way? Not necessarily. But is it a factor? Absolutely. When any time a government decision is made, and, and you, the listeners, can't figure it out, I will promise you at the, at, at the root of it is some kind of a corruption. And, and you know, it, it's, it's all about, you know, systems are set up to serve people. But people go into public life for different reasons. You know, I talk about at the beginning of my book, I talk about my entry into City Hall and how people who were old enough to be my grandfather at the time, because they were only 23 when I got elected to council, uh, came up to me, and they immediately tried to, you know, started to tell me about all the opportunities that existed for office holders. I wasn't interested in any of that, but it's a reality. You know, people see their opportunity, you know, like the plunket of Tammany Hall, uh, uh, described sure. uh, his his service in this way. I've seen my opportunities and I took them, and, and that's not unusual. You know, we're talking about the human experience. Or we're talking about you know, there's all kinds of reasons why people go into politics, and there's all kinds of of reasons why people serve or don't. You know, I mean, and and the reason for this book and the reason why it's relevant now is that. You know, this isn't like the old civics classes with the legislative, executive, and judicial branch and little <laughs> boxes. And this is how, you know, you got to create another box and, and put a dollar sign on it and, you know, draw it into the equation because there's a whole different thing happening with government. We're in danger of losing our, our, our democracy at every level because of the, because of the influence of interest groups who are, who, who want to seize public assets for, and use them for their own 
uh, a narrow uh, uh, financial gain. And this book is, it will end up being a shield for people who are in public life who, who really want to do the right thing, who well, that, want to take a stand. Dennis, that's what I want to get to is um, there are initiatives going on around the country. There's one here in Michigan where my show is based to... Um, reconfigure the way that elective districts are drawn, or gerrymandering as it's called. Um, and and then the GOP is working on trying to tighten up uh, voting requirements. And there are all these different things going on, but yet, and, and there's all the jokes, you've heard them, uh, you know, America has the best Congress money can buy, and, you know, the like. Is is there a toothpaste and tube scenario where we can put the paste back in the tube, or um, is it just this way and you learn to understand it and live with it? Uh, an enlightened citizenry is the best defense of democracy. It always has been and always will be. And so, you you know... The message is you can't leave government just to politicians. There are people in there who need support, and, you know, you can give it to them if you, if you inquire as to what's going on. But to but to stand apart from our civic process is to forfeit an opportunity to have any input at all and also to forfeit sometimes your, your economic rights and your political rights. I mean, the fact that voting... Um, there's an attempt to try to limit people's voting rights going on all over the country. It's crazy. I mean, we should, you know, we, you know, there are countries around the world, and that, you know, that uh, are 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 democratic of sorts, and they'll have anywhere from, you know, eighty percent up of people participating in elections. You know, you want people to participate, if only on the level of their vote. And so, you know, what my, but they have to know what. What the system's about, and the division of light and power uh, shows people the possibilities of the system. You know, not every place is like Cleveland was then, but I can tell you that the that, that the major um, uh, forces that are at work are well described in that book, and those forces still work today. You know, time's an illusion when it comes to this. It's you know we. You know, we're we're in a democratic experiment here, which is you know in uh, you know its third uh, in its third century of operation, and you know um, you know it's a republic if you can keep it, as one person said. You know, we we don't. There's no guarantees that we that we have a democracy down the road, and so this is a a continued struggle. Uh, and the only way that we end up uh, being assured that our point of view and our concerns are going to be addressed is to be involved. And the Division of Light and Power tells how people in Cleveland became involved and 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 rose up to defend their economic interests, and all they needed was a little bit of help and a little bit of leadership, which, of course, I, I uh, provided. So... Yeah, I mean, I, you know, this, Tom, Tom, when you, when you look at, this book is written on so many different levels, it took a long time to write, it's fully documented, when you look at it, uh, I have had people tell me that once they read the book, they, 
they look at, uh, at government in a totally different way. And that's what I want to achieve. I want to achieve people. This is not just a discussion to open up people's eyes about the kind of stuff that goes on. Well, and and this the book tells this this story and and lays it out in a way that people can see um, how how it can work and how it does work. Um, right. But the the question is be, either because of incompetence or corruption, faith in institutions is at an all time low. The trust between the citizenry and its elected representatives is at an all-time low. People don't even trust science anymore. How do, how, do we, how do we get people to wake up and say, we can still make this better? Well, um, it begins with each individual caring about community. And we have to we have to rescue and restore a sense of community. That you know this world is you know we we have to step out of our own enclosures and realize that you know none of us survives on our own. We we have to con- have contact with other people and and we have to uh, rely on community to support our our security. And um, you know this is really. You can't have a, a democracy unless you also have a sense of community and common interest, a common unity. Uh, and, and, you know, America's lost some of that, but I think it can be regained. You know, we have to see what are those things that unite us. And I think what unites us are the desire for a clean and safe neighborhoods, the desire for healthy people, desire for our children to receive a decent education. And we have to go back to those things that mean something to all of us are to, that relate to our practical aspirations and connect at that level. This isn't about Democrat or Republican. This isn't about left or right or liberal conservative. It's about, it's about our, our aspirations for our cities and for our nation. And, you know, that's, that's the prize that we ought to keep our eyes on. Well, this is a, a, a fascinating discussion and, and one that needs to be had. I, I suspect, Dennis, you would agree that people need to get their information from other sources than social media and bumper stickers. <laughs> well, you get your information wherever you can get it. And, you know, I think, I think what happens in the mixmaster of, of our of, of information that comes to us from so many different sources. Ultimately, each one of us has to decide what's real and what's not. And, and you know, it's it, it. There are there are many different avenues available today to get information. But no matter where you get it from, you still have to decide based on your own. You know, the way you look at the world and your own experience, and uh, as to what's real and what's not. And there's a lot of debate about that these days. I mean, I will tell you, Tom, I'm very concerned about the level of polarization that's taking place, as if to say, well, there's only one way of looking at the world. There's many different ways of looking at the world, and, and many of them are very valid and, you know, and have to be respected. But at the same time, uh, you know, as Oliver Wendell Holmes, who I think it was famously said, you're right to swing your fist ends at the tip of my nose. We have to... We have to respect other people's uh, rights, 
and we have to, in a way, we need a new discussion about what, what are the rights that each of us has. You know, it used to be years ago, someone would be intercepted or not served uh, right by uh, the government, and they would say, I'm an American citizen, and I demand my rights. We had a firm, clear view of what it was uh, as a citizen that we were entitled to in a democracy, and now it's all blurred. So, you know, if in some small way, the writing of this book and the publishing of it can help people rethink what government ought to be about, then it's been worth it. More with Dennis Kucinich, straight ahead. comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if you got a better cough in your arm and if you got a better <coughs> now back in 1918 influenza had its run but half the docks were busy overseas with world war one today we have mass media and scientists to say if you don't want this virus well then stay six feet away super damn important that we practice isolation because we are asymptomatic while it's an incubation will overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation it's super damn important that we practice isolation if we don't do it then we're all gonna die if we don't do it then we're all gonna die and so i hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart because it's already scary and we're only at the start if you get bored just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized oh super bad transmittable contagious awful virus if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine the last until july a super bad transmittable Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. 
When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. 
get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Dennis Kucinich, straight ahead. Well, the name of the book is The Division of Light and Power, and uh, it's written by Dennis Kucinich. And, Dennis, I, I just want to say before we before we wrap up that I mentioned you were going to be on the show, and I got a call from someone who participates um, as a as a pundit on my my weekly political roundtable, and um, she said, "When you talk to Dennis, her name is Bobby Clayton Walton." She said, "When you talk to Dennis, tell him you got a call from somebody that worked on his presidential campaign. She was a co-chair, I think, in in Michigan." Oh, well, please look. We had some great meetings in Michigan, and I want to mention this before I go, Tom. You know, years um, ago. Uh, hold on a minute. Years ago, uh, when my family was uh, having a very rough patch, we uh, we moved to Michigan for a while. And are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Years ago, we moved to Michigan for a while. And we lived in a little town called Millington, which uh, wasn't, you know, not that far from Flint. And, and, and I... Um, I have really great memories of that time. And I've always wanted to kind of go back to Millington and see, uh, you know, there was a Schumacher's restaurant then. There was yeah. St. Bernard's Church that I walked to a couple miles every Sunday. And it was a Millington, uh, there was a, a great school I went to. And, and it was, we lived on a little farm for a while when my mom was recovering from a nervous breakdown. And it was a magical period in our lives. Someday I'd like to just go back there and kind of like uh, see what's there now and reminisce. But I had a lot of good good feelings about that period. It was a period of uh, of, of peace and recovery <laughs> in the middle of a storm. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. And you're always welcome in Michigan. If you do come back, take a little stroll down memory lane. Let me know. I'll buy you lunch. If shoemakers hey, are still there, we'll, we'll go to shoemakers. But, Dennis, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can get good information about what we've been talking about, where they can find out more about you and your writing, past, present, and hopefully future. Um, well, right, right now, the book, uh, you know, people can find it many different sources. Sure. Uh, go to finneyavenuebooks.com, and, of course, I can always be... Uh, uh, reached on Facebook and a number of other social media. But right now for the book, com, and uh, if you uh, need to reach me, you can reach me through there. Um, the book is going on sale on June the 8th, and it'll be available uh, on an electronic version as well as a print, and just finishing it to edit it's on the audio, on the audio right now. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners. And uh, I, I want to say thank you for your service and um, uh, keep up the good work. Well, thanks. And, and thank you for uh, being, you know, a faithful 
uh, voice of the people on the air for so many years, Tom. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. That was Den- uh, Dennis Kucinich. He is the author of uh, a new book, um, an old story, but a new book, The Division of Light and Power. And um, he served as uh, mayor of Cleveland, Ohio, from 1977 to 1979. He was then the youngest uh, mayor of a, of a large American city at that time. Uh, he was in the Ohio uh, State Senate um, for uh, two years and then uh, served 16 years in Congress and uh, also ran twice for the Democratic nomination for U.S. President. Once again, the book is called The Division of Light and Power, and it's the uh, an unprecedented, fully documented insider's account of his battle against a shadow city government which engaged in corporate espionage, sabotage, price-fixing, cutthroat competition, antitrust activities, organized crime, and wholesale fraud. Um, Hard hard to believe, but true. Anyway, uh, that wraps it up. We'll take a uh, short break. er, uh, Yeah, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Next time 
it up for today's 4th of July edition of the Tom Sumner program and yeah I know it's actually July 5th. I would have done the show yesterday but it was Sunday so I did it today. This is the show I would have done had July 4th fallen on a weekday. Thanks to all of my guests that encore with uh, Dennis Kucinich, former uh, Cleveland mayor, Ohio congressman and two-time candidate for president talking about his book, The uh, Division of Light and Power, about political corruption. And uh, reporter, uh, former uh, Washington Post uh, writer and editor, Michael Farquhar, uh, talking about his book, More Bad Days in History. And a very appropriate conversation uh, starting the show off today with um, Seth David Radwell, author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold the Secret to Healing Our Nation. Good night, everybody. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.